from the Carter Subaru Studios, this is the G and Ursula Show with G. Scott and Ursula Voitine. Ursula, what's your thought on having to be fully clothed and drinking in public? You don't um, have to answer that. That's normally what I would do if I'm drinking in public. Yeah. Which you know... Uh, if it's alcohol, I don't do that, but it's always a good idea. But if you had fully one, clothed. If you had one of your like yeah. uh, mocktails, yeah. you'd be fully clothed. Uh, yes. Another one of those random thoughts by G. No, it's as not. We open actually, the show. no, it's not random because coming up at 1030, Matt Markovich is going to come in to explain a little bit about this specific fact. This time I didn't go random. <laughs> Okay, uh, before we get started, I want to remind you that our Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line is 888-973-5476-888-973. Cairo, let's get going. What's new at 10? And it was the big breaking news actually around this time yesterday. After 14 seasons under Pete Carroll, a new era of Seahawks football begins with the hiring of head coach Mike McDonald. And Mike Salk from the Bronx Salk Show on Seattle Sports 710 is here you grade this decision what and why? Well, let's uh, let's see. He's going to be uh, having his initial press conference at 11 o'clock, so about 45 minutes from going? now. I'm debating whether or not I want to go. It depends. Is he going to wear clothes or not? <laughs> if, if he's fully clothed, I guess I'm in. If he decides not to be, then we're going to have a, you know, have to have a little debate. But um, grade it? Yeah. Incomplete? I mean, I, I don't know how anybody knows whether he's going to be a great coach yet. Here's what we know. He's a great coordinator. He did a phenomenal job this past year with the Baltimore Ravens. They had the best defense in the league by a large margin. Not only that, but he did it with some unknown names and some guys that he sort of found on the street and made them better. He did it against the best teams in the league. He shut them down. And he did it against the other teams in the NFC West that the Seahawks are going to have to battle with for the future, the Rams and the Niners. He shut both of those teams down in addition to curb stomping the Seahawks. I mean, they just destroyed them. Absolutely blew their doors off. I mean, it was truth, but you didn't have to bring that up. Sorry. (laughs) Well, it was bad. It It was bad. Seahawks only scored three points. It was bad. (laughs) So we know he's a really, really good coordinator. Okay. But you guys work in news. Yes, okay. You know about about the Peter Principle, right? Well, I want to ask you a couple of of questions and and thoughts and maybe concerns that I have. Okay. Uh, First of all, his relative youth, he is now the youngest... 36 uh, years old. The youngest football coach, and he just a mere 10 years ago was like an intern, Yeah, and he's never actually been head coach. Is that an issue? The first one, they're two separate things. I think the youth is not, I would not hold that against him at all. I think what we have found in the NFL and in other sports as well is that generally when you get these outliers, these guys that get hired so young, there's a good reason why. They impress everyone so much. They are so dynamic that it shines through in that interview process. Sean McVay in Los Angeles with the Rams is a great example. He was like 31 when he was hired or something like that. And he, he was just that good. Theo Epstein, when he was hired to be the general manager of the Red Sox, 27 years old. Wow. When those guys get hired that young... It tends to work. There tends to be a pretty darn good reason. Okay, now, and it's not as, just that he's a good talker. I don't think so, no. Okay. I mean, I think he showed last year yeah. he's not just a good talker. He specifically is a very, very good defensive coordinator. As for his lack of head coaching experience, I don't know. Again, I don't know how we know. He might be great at it. He might have those skills that translate to the next level. 
He might not, right? I mean, it is a different job. Being a defensive coordinator is all about the X's and O's and running that defense exactly how you want it and teaching it to the players. Being a head coach is about setting an entire agenda for a building, having a having an entire culture that you are the centerpiece of. He might be great at that. And a lot of the, the talk out of Baltimore is that he will be very good mm-hmm. at that. But until you see it, Right. We just don't know. What we do know is he's whip smart. We straight A student. We do know that he has impressed everybody around him with his intelligence, with his scheme, with his teaching ability, with his ability to put guys in the right position. The other part of it. Well, we're going to wait and find out whether or not he, he can lead an entire building. What is your favorite meal that you love to cook? That I love to cook? Yeah. My favorite meal. I don't have to cook. Somebody, you no, know, no, 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 I order it and then is, I get to is, eat what it. What is the thing that you cook the best? Uh, that I cook the best? Yes, you. I'm not answering that question. No, you're just going to make fun of me. No, I'm being I serious. know you, Miguel. You don't put I'm any not, flavor I'm in not your meat. He's got a point. Is it, it, I have, yes. <laughs> oh, I have a point. Oh, sorry. Killing me. Uh, I make a pretty good lemon chicken. Okay. The lemon chicken. Yeah. Awesome. Fantastic. Hey, Mike Salk, I need you to come down to Tacoma mm-hmm. and I need you to make your lemon chicken. But here's the only thing. All of your supplies, all of your things that you need to make there, you have to leave in Seattle. Right. And you need to come to my house and make your lemon chicken. Can your lemon chicken taste as good in mm. my house without what you had in at home? You got an Instant Pot? Great you get an question. Instant pop? Uh, n- no. 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 <laughs> so, so I think my, it's a little different. I, I, I appreciate your analogy, and I, I like where you're going with it. I don't think it works. Here's why. I appreciate what you're saying and and the idea that, you know, part of the reason he was so successful last year is that he had had some pretty good ingredients to cook with. I think that's true. But he made the most out of those ingredients as well. He really took ingredients that had not tasted that good to anybody else before and made them elite like, you know, five Michelin star kind of elite cooking, something obviously I'm not capable of doing. Sure. I, I think when you when you arrive at a new job like this. It's not about whether you have the exact same ingredients, but I think you have some of the same tools. I think you have some of the same long-term ability to acquire ingredients that are similar. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, I think the the ability of the chef will shine through here. It just, it may not happen immediately. It may take some time in order for him to do that. So you have a way, this is what you do. You cover the Seahawks every single day on the Brock and Salk show. Um, When you compare, help us understand Mm -hmm. where is Seahawks with their ingredients on defense compared to the Ravens? Um, below, below how far. I don't know how far. Okay. I mean, you know, you kind of look at some of the talent they had, and they've got a lot of free agents. So we don't know who's going to leave both of these two teams. Yeah, and he may bring in some guys from the Ravens. Patrick Queen is a really good linebacker who's a free agent, and he may want to come mm-hmm. here and hang out with them. There's a few mm-hmm. other guys. Uh, they got a quarterback there that I find kind of intriguing, and Tyler Huntley, who might be an interesting fit as a backup here. He can run around a little bit. Played at Utah, so I, it's hard to say. But the Seahawks are talented. Okay, this is not a this is not a team that went four and thirteen. Let's remember. I mean, this was what a nine and eight football team once again this year. Finished above five hundred. They've got some talent. Here, here's the 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 sort of larger point. I guess I would leave you guys with because I know you're excited to talk about nudity and drinking or whatever it is you guys are doing a little bit later in the hour. And I look, I get it. I would take me off the air in order to talk about nudity and drinking as well. So I get where you're coming from. I, I'm going to try to be as brief as possible. There. 
I think there's a lot of excitement around Mike McDonald in the city right now. And for good reason. There's something new. There's something fresh. I think Seattle was ready for that, ready for something new. The universal excitement I've heard is always going to be a little question mark. Like, why is everybody excited? Is nobody not excited? Maybe we're missing something, right? When everybody goes in one direction, what's the line in uh, Glengarry Glen Ross? I say bet the other way. Like Al Pacino maybe had a point there. So I, I do worry a little bit about that. But here's what I think we all, if Pete had hired a Mike McDonald to be his defensive coordinator a couple years ago, I don't think we'd be here. I think that that's kind of the, like people are excited about Mike McDonald because the Seahawks have been losing on brain power throughout their building for the last few years. They've been getting beat mentally. Mm -hmm. They've been getting beat before the games by the Rams, by the Niners, by other teams as well. And unfortunately, their offensive and defensive coaching staffs have not been up to the task. And that's on Pete. Pete did not hire good enough coordinators Mm -hmm. for the last five to seven years of his time here in Seattle. And if he had, if he had hired the young Mike McDonald's, if he had hired some of the young guys that they just interviewed in this process, I honestly still think Pete would be the head coach and Seahawks fans would be psyched because they'd have the exact kind of team that they want. Wow. Okay, let's end there on that positive note. When's the nudity? Ten thirty. Uh, When's yeah, ten, the drink? Ten thirty. You'll be heading. You'll be heading over to the new press con- the press conference. I'm going to be listening, and then G's going to be on our show tomorrow morning. Yeah. Eight yeah. thirty, as he always is. Right after Jed Fish, new uh, Husky oh, coach, going to join us at eight o'clock. Nice. How about that? Nice. Appreciate it. Yep. Thanks, Mike. See you guys. And by, by the way, if there's anybody that's like. I can't stand listening to the G, or I love listening to G. Mm-hmm. Just know that Mike Salk is the reason. Right. Well, only if you like listening to G. If you can't stand it, <laughs> just understand, Just know that's all Brian Buckley's fault. See you later. Thank you. Uh, all right, Ursula. What else you got up for your sleeve? Okay, so we were talking about getting rid of youth jails, which is something that King County Executive Dow Constantine promised in 2020. Okay. Now, I want to share this story. You heard it in Heather's newscast about those pajama-clad teens who are accused of breaking into cars. Now, Federal Way and Bellevue Police are trying to figure out whether 14 girls who were arrested for a violent assault are the same pajama-clad girls responsible for vehicle prowls in five different cities. So on Sunday, four teens at the Safeway in Federal Way grabbed a woman by the hair, threw her to the ground, kicked her, and then tried to steal her purse. They've become known as the Pajama Bandits because of their penchant for wearing matching pajamas while breaking windows and burglarizing cars. Females in their teens or early 20s. Arrests have already been made in Federal Way. Now the departments are working together to see if the cases are connected. Seth Tyler is with Bellevue Police. We actually have 18 reports. Uh, cars that were broken into. Bellevue PD does have some strong leads and are hoping for a break in their case sometime later this week. In Seattle, James Lynch, Cairo News Radio. Now, in the Federal Way case, I saw that the suspects are between 13 and 16 years old. Yeah. Which, okay, maybe I shouldn't be surprised, but I still look at that and I go, oh my God. We're talking about very young people who are committing very adult like crimes. Right. And what what do you do? And this comes uh, at the same time that I see that uh, King County Executive Dow Constantine is saying that the plans to shut down the youth detention center in the summer 
um, oh, excuse me, uh, by 2025, which was the was his original goal that he announced in the summer of 2020. He says that has been delayed because uh, of a number of things, including public sentiment, which which has really kind of changed. Right. And I think my public my sentiment has kind of changed with this idea. Not that I think every kid should be thrown in jail Mm -hmm. uh, when they make a mistake. But as with so many things, I think we went so far in one direction uh, with this idea of, you know, everyone, let's let's do restorative justice. And, 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 um, you know, there are too many kids who are being uh, uh, incarcerated and it doesn't work. Well, doing nothing doesn't work either. Right. Uh, so I, I wanted to have a chance to discuss this. But I look at this as like, OK, they're between 13 and 16 years old. They're doing this type of crime. Right. I mean, uh, can we still afford this idea of, yeah, we're not going to have any youth detention? Yeah. I told y'all earlier in the week, and I'm going to tell you again, he would say, champ, you don't believe fat meat is greasy, do you? And I would tell you that that's what my father would say when you're not learning your lessons, right? Ursula, were there ever a time in your life as a young adult that your parents and or your people that your elders would tell you something and you had a hard time listening to them then. And then as you got older, you started to better understand where they are coming from. I have been guilty in my radio career in talking about these topics and not listening to those that have come before us, those that are in their 60s and 70s and have seen a lot of things. And so here's where I am today on all of these topics. Holding people accountable for their actions, young or old, is a very essential aspect to the criminal justice system. I don't care if you're 15, 17, 25, 65. We have got to emphasize the seriousness of what is going on. I talk all the time, Ursula, about the decrease. We are not seeing a decrease in what we have been doing over the last three to four years. There is no way in the world that I could have a conversation with, well, why don't Dow Constantine ever come on our show? Anyway, there's well, no well, way. I think we need to be more aggressive about yeah, trying to get yeah, but, him but, on the show. But, but Ursula, I'll I'll, I'll it here. There's no way in the world that I am going to be for closing a youth detention center when we are constantly talking about a lot of the crimes that are happening right now. They're youth. And we got a bunch of people out here that just don't care. Yeah, Uh, I agree. But here is the one caveat or one thing that that this idea of of closing the youth jail uh, was spurred in in part because of the disproportionate um, application of who gets thrown into these youth jails. And uh, at the time in 2020, when it was proposed, about half of the kids in detention were black compared to about 7% of King County's population. Um, And then again... 
there was supposed to be this push, push for restorative justice. Well, still to this day, this is according to Public Cola, about half the kids in detention are still black. Yeah. I Look, I don't. This is a topic I'm going to tell you guys right now. This is a topic that my daughter and I totally disagree. And on. she is a and, and she before, defense attorney. Before she yes. was a federal defense attorney, yes. she was a public defender in the youth part of things. And so we have a disagreement because while she is the age that she is, and she has this idea of and, and which is which is great. And I and I tell her all the time, I used to talk like that, Ash. I used to talk exactly like that. And then I listen to my mom that I used to get mad at all the time. And then I finally be like, by the way, my mom turns 81 tomorrow. Now I'm just like, you know what? I'm sick and tired. Straight up. That's what that's where I am right now. Because and it's all fun and games until it happens to your family. It's all fun and games until that same 15, 16 year old that you advocate for knocks your wife over the head with a pole and takes her stuff uh, her stuff. Tell y'all, man. Stuff real out here. Coming up next, scenario. Oh, no, 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 no. Matt Markovich is going to come in to explain the Liquor and Cannabis Board and how they want to change the Washington's lewd laws. Gene Orson. Listening to the Gian Ursula Show. Thank you so much for joining us. Our Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line is 888-973-5476-888-973 Cairo. And I'm going to guess you're going to be busy texting with this next segment because we ask a simple question. Should it be illegal to expose a male nipple at a bar? Our reporter Matt Markovich is here. I didn't know that was what I was going to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, Uh, Matt! Chef says, "Can you talk about this?" And then you throw that at me. I know. I know. Well, I mean, essentially, that is one of the things. After I finally, uh, Matt, by the way, during the break, came in here uh, with a piece of paper (laughs) that has type that is so tiny. That even with glasses, I can't read it. Show the, show the but camera. It's, it's part of the. <laughs> it is part of the. Uh, I tried. To, I, I I tried to make it bigger on a PDF, so, and it didn't print. What bigger. types of conduct are prohibited on a premises with a liquor license? So the reason we're talking about this, though, Matt, is we talked about yeah. it yesterday. There were these unannounced visits by the state liquor and cannabis board, and then uh, mm-hmm. some. Owners of gay bars were really upset, and then it brought up this whole idea of what is lewd conduct. Right. So yesterday at the Liquor uh, Cannabis Board meeting, unscheduled item, they decided to talk about those, what the uh, accusation is, raids on these four LGBTQ plus bars. The Liquor Cannabis Board is calling them compliance visits. Uh, They were responding to complaints. Um, but, you know, people were kind of upset. Uh, they were telling the Liquor Cannabis Board, you know, that's just not the right thing to do. Uh, well, you know, let me just pay, play what Terrence Hecker told the board. You went in with guns blazing, ready to write tickets for anything. And then when you didn't find any violations, you went off on jockstrap. That is unacceptable. 
I actually had to edit. He went off on other things that were more of the female anatomy that they were going after. And that's the problem here. So what? the one other soundbite I want to play out of this, because it really touches what we're going to be talking about, is what board member Jim Vollendorf said. He made a comparison to a very unique event that we have. You can go to the solstice parade and see individuals riding nude on their bicycles in a parade with thousands of people, including children. And yet you're right. If they stopped that bicycle and tried to go into one of our establishments, boom, it would be a lewd conduct violation. And there's something seriously wrong with that. And we have an obligation, I think, to address that. I mean, look, y'all, and I don't I don't want y'all to think that I'm like some kind of uh, advocate. I don't want you to think that I, I go to this spot all the time. But if we're going to be addressing that, we also need to address the strip clubs here in this state that I think is the lamest, dumbest thing in the world, the fact that you cannot get and purchase alcohol. The fact that you have to buy lemonade and have a two-drink minimum to hang out. They don't understand, and I'm talking about the Liquor and Cannabis Board, they don't understand the real problem is that you have people in the cars drinking, 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 doing all this kind of stuff, and then they go inside and you wonder why they drunk off two lemonades. You see what I'm saying? So if we're going to address this, make sure we address the lamest state in the country when it comes to the strip club and being able to buy alcohol. So oh. is that where you thought I was going? No, no. I want to go back. But he brought the point that yes. that's what they're talking about yes. in the in the legislature. There's a, go ahead. Well, well go ahead. I want to hear it. No, I, I was going to so. say, so Senate Bill 5614 is what you're talking about, G, which would legalize the sale of liquor in strip clubs. Um the problem why that it's been tried several times, it's still in front of the legislature. This particular session, uh, it has not had a hearing, but it's since it's, I won't go into the mechanics of it, it still can be brought back up. So one of the problems with this bill is the current law, and that's what I was showing you, about what lewd behavior means for a place at, that serves alcohol. And we're not talking about strip clubs here. We're talking about a Just normal regular bar. Bars. That you have to be, according to the law, it says the licensee may not allow unclothed people in attire or a costume, clothing that could expose the view of any portion of a breast below the, I won't, I won't go into, it gets in very detail, pubic hair, butts, and stuff like that, genitals. Mm-hmm. You we, can't, get the, we get the point. Okay, you get it. So, so. If, and the argument that many people made at the board meeting is that if you go to an LGBTQ club, let's put it this way, the, people don't wear much. Mm-hmm. And that's just the, the lifestyle. That mm-hmm. is the cultural lifestyle at these clubs. And that includes the servers not wearing much. That's just accepted when you go in these things. So when they went in in this over the weekend and made lewd, you know, accusations of lewd behavior, they didn't cite anybody. That's what they're talking about: is that people were not clothed that well. That's why that guy said talked about jock straps and whatnot. The, the the there's not much people aren't wearing that much there in these clubs, and so in order to get the legal alcohol served at strip clubs. You're going to have to change the law, the lewd law, this particular lewd yeah. law, when it comes to alcoholic uh, places that serve alcohol. And in, on the state liquor and cannabis board, there are members who are actually saying this whole thing about lewd, what is considered you lewd. You just heard? Yes. Yeah. So they're also acknowledging that it We may need to change the state, may need to address the lewd laws when it comes to 
places that serve alcohol. Now, this is it's just that specific place, not outside in public and things like that. You know what my, I want? Am I in my opinion on this? What's your opinion? Like if I don't if I don't want to see whether it's a, a male nipple or whether it's, you know, just uh, you know, um exposed body parts and I know that that is kind of what is happening at a particular establishment, I'm just not going to go there. Right. I, n- n- no, no, no doubt about it. And, and I, I, I want to address something like I don't because because Matt, you were just kind of saying like, oh, this is a you know LGBTQ bar. And then that's just what they do. First of all, not all bars are that way. Like every gay bar that I've gone to, you don't just have people just walking around in jockstraps or you don't have the servers dressed in a certain type of way. That's not true. Right, like just well, so, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just saying that that's. But there no, some bars are known for that in the LGBTQ community. And it's accepted. It's accepted, rather than the sports bar. Right. Well, except if you go to Hooters, what is Hooters? I mean, no, I, I just, I just think that we just have a problem in the state. You know what I would like to do, Ursula? I would like to do this. I would like for every lawmaker that votes on this topic here in the state of Washington, I want you to take a lie detector test. And the lie detector test says this. Sir, ma'am, have you been to a strip club outside of this state within the last five years? I want them to answer that. Because you know what I think? I think sometimes lawmakers be going to these strip clubs and stuff like that, and then they want to come here and vote against these things. <laughs> I just smile. Okay, <laughs> I, I do want to say one thing, and I, I did not use the word raid because Correct. this, and I think they took issue with that yes, too, the, right? Yes, they I, did. I, I specifically did not use that word, even though I heard it bandied about yesterday. They it, gave a long explanation for every place they went to, in the hookah bars and the sports bars they went to. It's like it, the same thing. It was thing. A compliance, and yes. they were all responding to complaints from the Seattle Police Department or patrons. Exactly. Matt Markovich, thank you so much. You're welcome. Matt sure does do a good job of getting my blood boiling. <laughs> Coming up next here on the G and Ursula Show, um, this topic. That's a compliment, by the way. Yeah, this topic is about friends and neighbors. We'll do that next. G and Ursula. by 1-800-DUI-AWAY. Y'all still here? Listening to the G and Ursula show? Just making sure. We got some good stuff. Scenarios! Here we go, yo! Here we go, yo! So what, so what, so what's the scenario? All right, Ursula, here we go. My husband's brother is 28 and gets free food from food shelves. He's a nice guy and has a decent job. He works as a property manager. He's not rich, but he has money to buy food. He also buys a ton of crap like comic books and video game in-app purchases. But every week, he walks out of the food charities with at least $100 of free groceries. They don't question him, and he gets anything he wants. My husband won't say anything and create a problem with his brother, but I think it's awful. He's taking food away from people who need it and taking advantage of those who give money to the homeless. I'm thinking about going to the places he visits and telling them what he's doing and try to shut it down. But I do it without telling my husband. Is that a good idea? 888-973-5476 is the state roof. Excuse me. 
is the Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line. Ursula, you up to bat first. Is that a good idea? No. Now, it would bother me, too, if I knew that. But I also know it really shouldn't be any of my business. Maybe you don't know the full story. Maybe you're making assumptions about certain things. And how is it going to help you to do that? I mean, you're, ta- you're talking about $100 worth of things. You, as you said, the food banks are not um, questioning him. I would leave it at the, f- at the food bank level versus trying to get yourself involved in there. Um, if your brother doesn't think, uh, your brother, excuse me, your husband doesn't think it's a, or doesn't want to get involved, honestly, I would stay out of it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get right to it. And this is a real serious question. Why do people get upset when people get help? I mean, what I'm saying is, is this. Okay, food, gonna... food insecurity in this country is a huge deal. And he's going to get food and you're upset because you know that he buys comic books and you know that he buys all those things. Sometimes, Ursula, I feel like when people are struggling, people have this idea of how you should struggle. Yeah. You should struggle this way. Before food insecurity, let me say that again, is a real thing. Anybody that is trying their best to go and get food, there's a 95% chance that they are financially struggling. I've never, I personally have never known of somebody making really good money trying to go get free food. That is the other thing I was going to bring up. There was a time long, long, long time, long time ago, but I, I shared with you when I was in college, I told you I had to pay my way through college. I had to pay my rent. My parents couldn't afford it. And I was between a rock and a hard place. And I got food stamps for a short amount of time. I did not like that feeling. It's not something that made me feel good that I had to to take food stamps. It was a a brief amount of time, but uh, I needed it. And it's not something someone could look at me and say, well, you have parents who live in a nice house or, you know, a a decent house. Why why aren't they paying? My parents couldn't afford it. My dad could barely pay, pay the mortgage. He had five kids. You know what I mean? So someone could have made an assumption about me, um, which is why I try not to make an assumption. But you asked the question, why does it bother people? I mean, I get I get bothered when I see people cheating the system. I, I, I do get bothered, and I understand that sentiment. But I would just be really careful when it comes to do people a, a look case at, like this. Do people look at people going to do their best to get free food as cheating the system? We they don't a, need it. Yeah. All right. Fair. Yeah. Fair. I, I mean... Look, this is this is the first time I've ever heard anyone uh, point to proof of someone's uh, financial stability by pointing out the fact that they purchase comic books and they spend money in the Candy Crush game. I mean, you got you guys mentioned it. You don't know his financial situation. There could be crippling debts that this guy has in every single out. Every single dollar he has is tied up. He could have like a gambling problem, right? There could be a medical debt situation. Like, there's so many ways. And just by looking at somebody's house from the outside and the car that they drive, they could be driving a Tesla. 
right? That's financed, and they've only put $5,000 on that thing. They could have a million-dollar house that they don't have a cent of equity in. Looking at someone's possessions isn't a good indicator of, uh, of their financial success. But here's what I'll say. Fraud is a part of every single system that we have, whether it's charity, whether it's taxes, whether it is food stamps. Obviously, you want to push it down as low as possible, but you can't get mad about the fact that it simply happens because humans are humans. Why don't you just talk to him about it if it bothers you that much? That would be the only other thing I would suggest. Is just talk to him directly. Because maybe maybe he'll enlighten you with something that you haven't thought of. Steve texted in and said, my wife's co-worker made more than $120,000 a year, owned two duplexes, and still got food at the food bank. When asked why, he said, it's free, so why not? Now, I got to say, if all that is true, that would bother me. G? I, I, this, I hate this topic. I, I really do. <laughs> I, I, I really hate this topic because I, we have such society has a awful way of looking at this topic. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't believe it. I don't believe that we now $120,000 in Seattle. I'm not even talking about that. That is still possible to need food, right? Because we all know how much it costs yes. to live here in Seattle. That's possible. But I am telling you that people that are doing okay financially are not at the food banks trying to get food. As a matter of fact, a lot of people, the people that you see at the food bank are extremely desperate. Extremely. It is the most embarrassing thing in the world. You're going to go try to get on food stamps yes. before you're trying to sh- be in line at a food bank. This is a real, and I hate this topic because we look at this food insecurity problem so wrong. Yeah. And by the way, it's the system that looks at this thing wrong. Okay, can we just say one thing and on a positive? Our listener Kai says, love and support before judging. Yes, Brother Nick. Well, going down the road again to me to getting an inch and taking a mile. Now, I won't take any claims for either party as to whether they're taking too much for free or there's too much micromanaging with the other side, monitoring the quote-unquote freeloading. Both sides can improve. But I will say, if you're going to take the initiative to go back to the store returning items and good odds on his behalf, at least give him the, get on, him on the loop for what you're doing instead of piling on to the drama that seems to keep growing. I get it if she's scared for her legal issues, but just let him know and keep him in the loop. Don't let this snowball grow any bigger. We had presidential candidates running on the welfare queen deal. You know how much that sticks in the minds of people right now? You know how many people fake pretend like they have a story where they saw the lady in front of them Mm -hmm. with the fur coat on and the nails done, buying shrimp and steak, and then they walked out and got the Mercedes into a Mercedes? I'm so sick of that lie that people tell. Coming up next, agree to disagree, generously.